imagine you live in the year 1888. A few years ago, your family moved out to Nebraska to start a new life as pioneers settling this vast prairie. You rode on the back of a covered wagon pulled by your dad's two bay horses. They were beautiful when you first set off out of New York. Now they look a bit tired and they're a little shaggy. It's the middle of winter in Nebraska. Here the snow comes down in sheets. The white powder covers the land. It looks magical. You imagine Jack Frost coming each night to paint your windows with beautiful patterns of frost. One of your favorite winter activities is to make paper dolls and animals from paper scraps. You can sit for hours cutting out shapes and imagining stories of your creations. Inside your home, there is only a fire to keep you warm. You keep bundled up inside your sturdy farmhouse. The floor, made by your father, is made of a clean, smooth wood. It also keeps your home cozy during this very cold winter. Today is a school day. It's January, and you are heading out the door with your books in hand. The sun is bright, shining from the south. Your dad was up early getting the farm chores done. You helped feed the horses and milked your cow before breakfast. As you head out the door, your mom stops you. Take your coat and mittens. Oh, Ma, do I have to? It's such a sunny day. Yes, you should always be prepared on the prairie. Okay, that's a good point. Thanks, Ma. You take off for school and enjoy the long walk. You take care to enjoy everything. It's going to be a great day. Once you arrive at school, you greet your friends and do your school chore of filling up the woodpile in the classroom. You go out to the woodshed and bring in as many logs as you can. It takes several trips and only a few minutes, and the pile in the classroom is ready for the day. You take your seat and begin your work. The morning goes by gaily. Suddenly, you hear a rumble, and then a bang. Everyone stops. Myth Smith, your teacher, opens the door to look outside. Your schoolroom doesn't have windows yet. You all turn and look. You see a huge black cloud billowing in the distance. It's heading toward your town quicker than you've ever seen a cloud move before. Today we are exploring all the marvelous sights, smells, and creatures that we enjoy observing in the winter. Often we think of winter as a time when nature is all buttoned up with no glories to behold, but this is just a trick. There are many of nature's wonders that are easier to find in the winter. We hope after listening, you will be encouraged to go out on your own winter walk and discover a whole world you didn't know was right under your nose. You 
are listening to Naturalist Kids Podcast, where we bring the stories of nature to life to encourage you in your quest to learn more about this great world. I'm your host, Joy Cherick, and today I'm joined by Elliot, age nine. If you love our podcast and want to see more episodes like this one about winter, please consider supporting us through our Patreon site, patreon.com slash naturalistkids. There you will find transcripts, nature study lessons, and additional resources to go with each episode. This is episode four of season two. This episode is sponsored by Naturalist Monthly Newsletter. Naturalist Monthly Newsletter is a newsletter that we put together each month to give you poems, nature study lessons, and some other inspiration right to your email box. Head over to naturestudyhacking.com to sign up. Let us consider for a moment what nature we might be able to see best in the winter. We love watching the birds out of our schoolroom window. We have a large cherry tree that loses all of its leaves, making it a perfect spot to watch the winter birds. We've seen a house finch, wrens, black-capped chickadees, cardinals, woodpeckers, and several red-shouldered hawks. Last winter, I really enjoyed watching the squirrels running on their tree branch highway. They were so much easier to see because all of the trees around our home are bare during the winter. We even spotted two squirrel nests. We saw one squirrel gathering leaves and carrying them in his mouth one at a time up the tree to add to his nest. Is there anything else we enjoy in the winter, Elliot? Yes, it's always fun to find leaves and try to figure out which tree they belong to. Each year, it seems like we can name more of the leaves in our neighborhood that we find on our morning walks. We love decorating our home with evergreens from around our yard and woods. The holly tree is one such evergreen. It has been used for wreaths and garlands at Christmas for many generations and to bring some natural beauty into the home during a drab winter. The shiny, prickly leaves are a beautiful crisp green and are complemented by the red berries that birds enjoy eating throughout the fall and winter. The berries aren't really berries at all, but are a stone fruit, kind of like a plum or a peach. The fruit, of course, began in the summer as a waxy white cluster of small flowers with a hint of pink on the inside. The American holly grows throughout the American southeast and up the coast into New England. Perhaps its colonial roots are one reason why it's such a popular decoration. What is the difference between a fir tree and a pine tree? Do you know? I have to admit that I didn't know there was much difference until we visited the state of Washington and saw so many fir trees that I simply had to stop calling their cones pine cones and start using the proper term fir cones. If a twig bears needles in groups of two, three, or five, you can safely call it a pine. If the twig carries its needles singly, 
it's a good bet you've got a fir or a spruce tree. Pull off the needle and roll it between your fingers. If it feels flat and doesn't roll easily, it's a fir. According to indigenous lore from the Pacific Northwest, the giant Douglas fir trees were abundant in every forest. One day, all the animals were fleeing from a fire. But the tiny mice were too small and slow to outrun the fire. Knowing the Douglas fir trees have thick bark to withstand fire, they asked the trees for help. The trees allowed them to climb their trunks and hide in the cones. The mice gladly took shelter inside the cones and survived the fire. Today, if you look closely at the cone of a Douglas fir, it looks like little hind feet and a tail sticking out from under the scales. We can't talk about winter without talking about snow. Last year, we had one giant snowfall in Tennessee. The snowflakes were big and thick and fell in clumps. The snow came down steadily and covered our world in a blanket of white. We were able to roll the snow into giant snowballs to make snowmen and have snowball fights. By the evening, it was mostly melted. If we knew what to look for, we could have predicted that it would melt by the end of the day. Here's two ways we could have known that. The first way was the large, clumpy snowflakes were actually a sign that a thaw is close at hand. And the second way is if we measured the temperature under the snow and compared it with the temperature on top of the snow, we would have seen that the temperature under the snow was actually warmer. That's because the snow acts as a blanket, insulating in the warmth of the ground. Now you know too. Have you read about the children's blizzard of 1888? It is also called the schoolhouse blizzard. It happened one brilliant January day. After days of snowfall, the sky cleared and a glorious sunny day appeared. But it was deceiving. Children walked to school, farmers went into town, and many people were making preparations for the next snowfall. Little did they know that a giant blizzard was getting ready to roar through the region in a fury. Many were caught outside because the morning weather had been so fine. One of the beautiful things in nature is that it is also a little bit dangerous. We found a story from O.W. Meyer from the Federal Writers Project that happened 50 years after the storm occurred. This collection of histories consists of approximately 2,900 documents compiled and transcribed by more than 300 writers from 24 states. The project was called the Folklore Project of the Federal Writers Project. It was a new jobs program from 1936 to 1940. Here, Meyer relays the experience he had in the blizzard of 1888. My brothers and I could not walk through the deep snow in the road, 
So we took down the rows of corn stalks to keep from losing ourselves till we reached our pasture fence. Walter was too short to wade the deep snow in the field, so Henry and I dragged him over the top. For nearly a mile we followed the fence till we reached the corral and pens. Sister Ida had opened the gate and let the cows in from the field to the sheds. Just as the cold wind struck and froze her skirts stiff around her like hoops, the barn and stables were drifted over when we reached there. The roaring wind and stifling snow blinded us so that we had to feel through the yard to the door of our house. The lamp was lighted. Mother was walking the floor, wringing her hands and calling for her boys. Pa was shaking the ice and snow from his coat and boots. He had gone out to meet us, but was forced back in by the storm. We stayed in the house all that night. Weather, author unknown. Whether the weather be fine or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be hot, we'll weather the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. Thanks for joining us today as we took a closer look at the wonders of winter. Did you learn anything new? We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review in iTunes. We read every single one. It will help other budding naturalists find our show. We leave you today with a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 1807 to 1882. Woods in Winter When winter winds are piercing chill, and through the hawthorn blows the gale, with solemn feet I tread the hill that overbrows the lonely vale, o'er the bare upland and away, through the long reach of desert woods, the embracing sunbeams chastely play and gladden these deep solitudes. Where, twisted round the barren oak, the summer vine and beauty clung, and summer winds the stillness broke, the crystal icicle was hung. Where from their frozen urns mute springs pour out the river's gradual tide, shrilly the skater's iron rings, and voices fill the woodland side. Alas, how changed from their fair scene, when birds sing out their mellow lay, and winds were soft and woods were green, and the song ceased not with the day. But still wild music is abroad, pale desert woods within your crowd, and gathering winds and hoarse accord amid the vocal reeds pipe loud. Chill airs and wintry winds, my ear has grown familiar with your song. I hear it in the opening year. I listen, and it cheers me long. Mm-hmm.